Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I want to talk to you. I just want to say, you know, I want to send my prayers out uh, for the people in Boston. It was a real travesty. It was awful that happened. And, you know, we'll fight back because that's what we do. And there's also an earthquake in Iran. I want to send my prayers out to them. And the funny thing about it is, I'm not, it's not funny about it, but it's funny when we have earthquakes out here, it always cracks me up. I don't care at what time of the day it is. There's always some old lady who calls into the station and the TV show and she's sitting there telling people how her chandelier shook. Or then you have these people who actually have footage. Now, I can't even take my cell phone camera and figure out video, camera, in like two seconds. But these people, and if you've ever been through an earthquake, they usually last about a few seconds and either they roll or it's a quick jar. But these people actually take I don't know how they do it, but I'll ask my guest that. He might know. My guest is a very uh, funny comedy uh, comedian, writer, uh, great credits. He's acted. He's been in a bunch of stuff. It's uh, Sully McCullough. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm in the house. <laughs> I, uh, and, I, and I promise I'll be really hip. Oh, yeah. You'll see that because I'm not. I'm like, you know, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. See, I'm tired. I'm blind in one eye. So my, my <laughs> eye crosses in. So that's why I look down. If I, if I know my guests, they go, okay. But if I don't know, they're like, which eye do I look at? Which eye is blind? Wait, he's blind. And then uh, do you know Jeff Martyr? I do know Jeff Jeff's like one of my best friends and he's my comedy mentor pretty much and he's like he'll put something like oh yeah well if you had you know if you if you had more than one eye I'm like I have two eyes I'm not a Sandy Duncan okay? right I have right, two eyes right anyway, so Sully's an interesting name is that short for anything or is it's uh, short for Suleiman okay uh, yeah this is you know I was born in the the late 60s early 70s okay. when uh, black people were extra black okay. you know <laughs> and uh, you know if I was born now I might be named Mike or Dave that's funny now did you uh, did your friend, a lot of your friends have a uh Different names, or were you like the one in the well, neighborhood? Well, no, not yeah. I was the only one in the neighborhood. I grew up in um, in Cupertino. Oh, no, I don't mean like I don't, I don't mean the only one in the neighborhood. No, 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 not I, like that. I, and I didn't even take it that way. Okay, good, I was good. the only one in the neighborhood that had the unique name. Now, did kids make fun of it? Because uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up as Suli. It's short for Suleiman. Uh, you know, it's Arabic. Um, so that right there, it was just like I yeah, Suli bully. Uh, I get okay. yeah, I get Sully a lot, you know. But that's been recent because of the movies and stuff. But yeah, Suli, yeah, they made fun of me. Girls um, liked it though, so that was cool. That's all that counts. That is all that counts. You've, um, I, I'm pulling up on IMDb. You have a very good. Uh you're very uh, rounded from the acting to the stand-up to the writing. I love that. And I yeah, think... I've been pretty fortunate that I get to do a bunch of different things. Now, when you were a kid, did you love comedy, or what brought you into this? But, but you know what? I, I actually really did. I really did love comedy. I used to pay attention to it more than I probably should have at an early age. Like I would really like the you know the late night shows whenever they had a comedian on, that was the most interesting part. It was like all that other stuff was just fluff until the comedian got to come out. And then I would, you know, when I think about it, I would probably study them more than I realized. Like my first introduction to comedy was through Bill Cosby okay, and those old Bill Cosby records. Which were great. I mean, They were unbelievable. I used to, we, I had a Wonderfulness, okay. which has like the chicken heart on it. And, you know, he talks about uh, having uh, the, the measles. And, you know, I would listen to those late into the night. And the world that he painted was just so vivid. And it was, I mean, there was really a lot of, like, I was like, this dude is the coolest dude yeah. in the world. I mean, you know? Even even when he when he did uh, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kid, we all, we all watched that oh, show. Oh, absolutely. And it was, he did all the voices. Right, and, right. 
And then it's even just, did the intros where he was Bill Cosby right. in the junkyard and married it with the cartoons, which made him cooler. Yeah, it was, it, and it was a very different show back then. And oh, absolutely. Because it's funny, when I was back uh, east of Christmas, I bought... Um, it was the Fat Hour. Was it one of those cartoons? It was a Christmas special. Yeah, and it was. It had a really good message, you know. Yeah. And it was yeah. like, and of course, it was the typical formulaic. You know right. what's going to sure, happen. Sure. But it was like cool. And I think for yeah, they totally took the uh, the Scooby Doo formula yeah. and just applied it to a black <laughs> <Yeah>. cartoon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because Cosby. I, mean, I remember Buck Buck. That I, I still remember that stuff. And you, yeah, you know, you you're right. That's one thing. I mean, with Carlin and stuff like that, and Pryor and the people, you know, when we were younger listening to they there wasn't theirs was funny his was funny but more ima- you it was yeah more you visual. used your imagination you definitely like you know even the voices and the stories like you know it was just he really painted this world and you just got to sit in it and just marvel at it i mean it was really powerful when i think about it i was lucky enough uh i, I wrote on the tonight show and and he was a guest on the Tonight Show. Now, did you you wrote Jay? Or, yeah. yeah, I yeah. wrote wrote when no, Jay was no, there. You wrote I was for actually, Johnny. He's eighty people. <laughs> yeah. He's eighty. <laughs> I, uh, I I actually wrote for Jay in in arguably what I think is one of the best years to be there, which okay. was his last year before Conan was supposed to take over. Okay, and you know it was really interesting. Uh, you know, I'd done stand-up on the show, but to then come on as a writer, writing monologue jokes, it's a little different thing. And, and I remember my first day there, Jay was really funny. Like, you know, I'm nervous. I want to fit in. You, you know, you want to instantly make a contribution. And in the morning, I run into him in the kitchen, and I'm like, oh, very excited to be there. And the first thing he says to me is, welcome to the Titanic. <laughs> See, it's so funny. I, I met him, and I, I met him at... Uh in Burbank, there's a place called the Monte Carlo, and it's mm-hmm. a deli. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was, it was some Christmas thing down there. And I went up to him and I said, "Jay, can you know, can I get a picture?" He was like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. right, right." And I go, "Yeah." I said, "Years ago, I I used to play at the Comedy Works in Philly, and I had forgot." He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, Jimmy Tyone's place, yeah, Jimmy Tyone, but the Mother Issue Restaurant." Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, how did he? I mean, because here's a guy. I mean, I remember a lot of acts. Like, I, I remember, like, Ed Krasnick was on. I was, oh, yeah, yeah, I, was I know, us, yeah, yeah. I was, We were talking about a story that he had forgotten, but I remember when I was I worked with him in, like, Holyoke, Massachusetts, and he got in an argument with the, the man. The manager was an idiot of the club, so he got fired. Uh-huh. And he had forgotten, but he told the story. I remember that, but the club, I don't remember any of the club owners. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So you were... But but what I was saying was, is um, while I was writing there, you know, Cosby was a, was a guest on the show, and so I had never actually met him. You know, I've seen him perform form many a times but we just never cross paths so it was one of the really great things about when I was working there was to be able to get introduced to Bill Cosby via Jay Leno you know what I mean right. and I got to spend a significant amount of time you know in his dressing room talking shops and I mean it was just amazing for being a kid that grew up listening to his records right to years later now i'm a stand-up and a writer and you know exactly. and and get a chance to actually you know meet your idols like they say you never should meet your idols but in this case it was something that was really pretty amazing well what still amazes me about cosby is um he was on fallon last week and jimmy fallon he comes out tapped in. He, like he's right. I mean, he took over the show. He's yeah. going up to the crowd. I'm like, that's Bill Cosby's got to be like 78. I'm yeah, guessing. he's in his 70s. So yeah, and it was yeah. amazing. It was amazing. So you liked Cosby when you were a kid. Now, but at any point when you were a kid, did you sit there and think, I'm going to do this, or did you have other aspirations? Well, I always like uh, in elementary school, I was 
I was like the smart class clown. Okay, good. You know what I mean? Like, I, w- I was smart enough to know how to play both sides. Like, I would make the kids in the class laugh, but then I would also answer the teacher's questions, so it wasn't like I was disruptive. Like, I was pretty, now that I think about it, pretty tactical about the whole thing. So I was a smart class clown coming up. I loved comedy. Uh, it just was a matter of, of finding my way into it. Well, you know, you went to UCLA. I went to UCLA, and that's when I started. Okay, but what was your major? What, I mean, like I was a I was a political science major. Okay, because I for me when I was I I have a bachelor of science in business management, uh-huh. but I knew and in my first time like you, he said sort of my first time on stage, I did this Mister Stockton contest. My friends talked me into it because I saw right. all the seniors and everyone's like it's like a Miss America, so all these big dudes, and I did that, and I and I'll admit it, I. I will. I performed as a Rick Springfield air guitar. But <laughs> the next year I did it, and I stole Rodney Dangerfield's act. Right. But back then, when you don't you don't think you're doing anything wrong. Now. Right. Right. So so you're in college. Well, yeah. Like, I was in college, and luckily at UCLA, this is just shows you what a great school UCLA is. We had a comedy club there. Okay. And uh, what it was was is a bunch of uh, students that were interested in comedy. We would get together and we would pitch out like material ideas and help each other with our material and we would do shows in the dorms uh and then we would bring in one comic that was you know known like probably not like a breakout guy but they were in the circuit and working I, like it, it, it was i've heard about great. that no, yeah. i'm thinking because i think someone said they didn't did you ever book like jeff cesario or any of them yeah absolutely I think not jeff only jeff yeah okay. jeff cesario was one uh i remember we booked uh david spade this was before right. you know he blew up and uh, you know, so we had a connection to actual working comics, and we would just do these shows in the dorms, and then the the working comic would close the show, and that's where I started, and I really got the love of it, and from there it was like, oh, I really want to do this. Um, my my break happened while I was in college. Also, I uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld did a show at, at our school, okay, and um, four guys from the comedy club opened for him. And we each uh, w- got to do five minutes, you know, and they were very specific in the writer that the openers won't do more than 20 minutes. So we had to stick to our time. And right. So it was me and three other guys from the comedy club. And I remember at first I was like, man, I might I might not even do the show just so I can give the other guys an extra minute or whatever. But luckily I didn't do that. So I did my five minutes. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's manager, George Shapiro, was in the audience. And afterwards... Uh, approached me, gave me his business card, and said, hey, give me a call. I think you have a lot of talent. And for me, I mean, being in college, I was, you know, I still had a year left of school. I was a junior in college. I didn't even know who George Shapiro was, Okay, right? that's, that's how it I happens. had no idea. So I called... Uh, Jordan Brady, who Jordan's been on three times. Okay, Jordan, great. Yeah. Jordan, he, Jordan Brady was like one of the one comics I was like, well, he knows what he's doing and he's right. doing it for real. So he was my connection to the business. Okay. And I called him up and I said, uh, hey, Jordan, uh, this guy George Shapiro gave me his business card. Is he legitimate? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's not. You know, right. no, now, then, nowadays, comics be like, no, he's not. Right. I'm going to call him. You right, know? right. And so Jordan was like, are you kidding? That's like one of the biggest comedy managers in the business. So I called him, you know, I wanted to call him that night. But <laughs> right. <of laughs> but, course, you know, but yeah. like, you know, I waited the next day and I called him. And this is how naive I was, right? My best friend uh, is a comic now, too, right? And we were both in. What's his uh, name? Uh, Chris Spencer. Okay. Uh, I yeah, so he's on that. He's on that show Friday. Uh, yeah. Oh, he is. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So Chris, Chris is great. Chris is like he's the executive producer of the Kevin Hart show on okay. BT. Whatever. But anyway, Chris is like legit. 
So me and him, you know, aspiring comics in, in college, I called George and I say, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to meet. Uh, is it okay if I bring my buddy because he wants to be a comic, too? Like, this is how naive I was. And, and George, was, George was so great because he was like, yeah, sure. I mean, he thought it was just the most honest thing in the world. That And it is. And the funny thing is, um, and if someone who looks at, and especially like someone who's a big manager who knows management, and they looked at you and they liked your talent, he must have loved when you said he wants to be a comic too. So he, it showed you didn't have an attitude. Right, It's not right. like, oh, do this. It's like, right. you're hungry. Where, yeah, How absolutely. do I learn? And for a manager, that's one of the best things. I'm probably like, for him, he's probably like, I would love to work with a young act. Who's right. And right. develop them. Yeah. And so it was, you know, it was a, it was a really great, uh, experience. I still had a year left of school. Okay. So what I did was, and at that point I was ready to drop out of school and just go full throttle. But you know, I, wisely I stayed in school. I got my degree, and during that last year of college, I started working at the Laugh Factory, working at the Improv. So I was getting my feet wet in the clubs. Right. I was starting to, to to MC, and I started. It's funny, like I started out here. And I started the MC route, so I started really at the bo- at the bottom and just worked my way up. But it was the best thing for me, and I would recommend it to anybody that's trying to get into comedy. To I mean, this is one of the best places to do it. It's one of the most difficult places, but right. one of the best places also because you learn good technique. You know what I mean? Like back when I started, you know, Seinfeld was going up, George Wallace, like really right. heavy hitters, and so you learned what it took to be good right you know what i mean and what it took to have your own style and you know what i mean like See, it's funny and it's funny you say that because i've you know when i was started out in philly you know you we had the acts and everyone was very nice and mm-hmm. as young acts you know we wanted to know stuff but i think now though a lot of the young acts don't want to they already know it oh so, yeah so absolutely so it's like well i so think you can't mentor like but my my what stuck for me was my mentor was a guy named george sharp uh-huh and the problem was he had a alcohol problem and he started you know messing up gigs and right and it sucked because I, I surpassed him. Right. But he was my mentor. And when your mentor is asking you to help you get work and you can't because you know he might not show up, right. it was hard. But that's the thing for you. It must have been great because you saw, you, I mean, you saw this talent every night. And every, even, even the, I mean, the A-listers you know, on the road are like B-listers out here when you go to a place where, you know, Seinfeld walks in. Tim oh, Alex, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And it was, you know, it was great because... Almost all of those guys were super supportive. You know what I mean? Like, they would see what I was doing, and luckily... I mean, I think I was really fortunate because going into it, I had a pretty good identity of what I wanted to do on stage. So it wasn't like I was chasing somebody else's style or whatever. I mean, I may have been green, but at least I was like, well, his starting point is really good. And how, you know, how did you find your how did you find your style? Did you just did it just come to you one night or was it with the way you wrote? Well, you know what? I think it partly is the way that I wrote and then secondly, I was just really clear about who I wanted to be on stage. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't like a I wasn't like a traditional high energy act. Like I was a real kind of grounded 
person on stage All right. and this was my point of view and it was about getting to my point of view I mean you know when you first start out you do things that you don't do now like I did a lot more impressions in my act in the beginning do one uh, I used to do Sammy Davis Jr. which was huge that I, was I, 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 I could be the white Sam yeah eye. exactly you my got eyes, the eye yeah. for it so see, we'll see, take see, your I eye just, I just <laughs> moved and he's making fun of my eye see that these people yeah, I just make fun of Steve's eye it used to bother me you know I make fun of it now but when I was young it really bothered me really I mean because yeah because then you know and the funny thing is I always got great looking girls. Right. So it wasn't well, affecting me. See? And then when they're like, yeah, you're up one, because I'm tired, when I'm tired sometimes, one eye's a different color. Right. And they're good. And I go, well, David Bowie's got two different colors. Oh, okay, you know? Yeah, But see? now I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't get a crap. I right. My girlfriend, right. Joanne's beautiful. So, you know, I'm doing something right. So you made it. You made <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, but so. My you, my first bit, my first big, big bit, and this is terrible, but I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I, was, hear it. I, would, I would close. It's so aggy. I would close uh, doing Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, as Tone Loke. I said, what if Sammy Davis Jr. was a rapper, right? And Tone Loke had that song Wild Thing right. at the time, <laughs> which is totally dating myself. <laughs> I know, you know, he, he was just on, uh, he was just yeah, on Tone Loke was like having a, yeah, he's having a comeback right now, so. So anyway, I would do that song, hey man, I like to do the wild thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny though. And the thing is, you do a good impression. Did you ever, did you ever do Nicholson? No, I didn't do Nicholson. That was the thing too, is like, going into the comedy clubs, even when I was first starting, I looked at what everybody was doing, and if I saw too many people doing the same thing, I was like, okay, don't do that, whatever you do. You know what I mean? I, do something else. But the Nicholson cracks me up, because even like bald guys would be like, yeah, right. They'll it's pull like, their, they're pulling no hair yeah, back. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You're bald. Hey, right. Wait a right. little to me. Right. So you're you're in college, so you're hitting these stages. You're hitting the laugh factory. Yeah, I'm hitting the laugh factory. I'm hitting the improv. Is it taking away from your study? Not at all. Like at that point, you know, like I said, I thought for a minute about dropping out, but I didn't. Um, you know, I was a political science major, which was like a real writing intensive major. Right. But I, but I was, you know, I knew what I was doing. By the time I was about to graduate, I was ready to jump into comedy full throttle, and I was like, let's let's get it happening. So I was I was really good about. It. I, I was pretty disciplined. Now back then, uh, was the did they have was it the comedy store or something in Westwood? Was the they the comedy store in Westwood had opened for a brief period of time. So I did go to that one, but that wasn't really... It was the the Improv in Santa Monica, which is now a Hooters. Oh, God. Uh, and and th- that, was a, that was one of the clubs where I really kind of got okay. my foundation. And then the Improv Melrose, and then the Laugh Factory. And the Laugh Factory was a different club at the time. It was much smaller. It was before Comic Strip Live came in, and they renovated the place, and okay. it's more how it is now. But, you know, it was still... It was a really great time. Like, my first time on stage at the Laugh Factory I opened for Sam Kinison. So, so there you I go. mean, way to get, you know, how you know, such a great way to get your feet jumped in. Oh yeah, and so so you you get out of college and now you I guess you get a place or yeah, and then you just start hitting comedy. Do you get a job or anything? Or? I didn't I didn't get a job. Uh I had um I was in an acting class, uh, like an improv workshop, right. uh, the Harvey Limbeck workshop. I came out of there. Uh so I was studying acting and I was just hitting the comedy clubs you know like I was a regular at the improv and a regular at the laugh factory and so I would do the road improv clubs 
Okay, so you, you, yeah. you, make, you were going to roast, you were getting paid. Yeah, yeah I was getting paid. You know, I wasn't making... But the money was a lot better than now than it is You know what's then. funny? It, the money was a lot better now. Than, now? Yeah, not, no, no. no back then, then, back yeah. then, the money was great. I like, mean... I found, I was going through, I just moved recently, and was going through some of my old files and right. stuff, and I was looking at my old calendar. I was Remember like, the wow. book we wrote it? Yeah, I yeah. was like, I was working all the time, and to MC, I was making really good money. Well, see, that's for me, because I, I started out in the Philly area, and there was like... 15 or 16 clubs within two hours and you know even as an MC you're making 50 to 75 a show right right but on weekends there was always three shows so it's right. like you know you could go do your thing now it's like yeah come out how much is gonna, well, pay, well right I'm right yeah I mean a lot of them are bringer shows oh, yeah, you know I mean like, oh, I'm gonna drive to San Diego really right. making money no right you right. spent 25 hours in gas yeah because I just read the San Diego the yeah. other day yeah to do a bringer show no <laughs> I, uh, but it was it was funny <laughs> So when was your first TV break? Because that one's, I mean, you were, you were uh, younger. Well, as a stand-up, the first, my first comedy set was on the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. Okay. That, uh, that Ken Ober had hosted. Right. It's, so, it's so funny to say about MTV because when Jordan's on, we talk about that. Oh, yeah? Jordan, Jordan's yeah. on, like, Jordan's, don't, don't take a picture of me, I got fat. Okay? It's ah, like, that's it's hilarious. Like, cause he, cause I say, he always wore these fancy shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they were always, so you did that. That was like, that was like yeah, that was like just fresh out of college. Okay. And, um... That was cool because that was the first taste of recognition doing stand-up because MTV back then would run those into the ground. They were on all the time. So people would think you were a star and, you know, they paid you, what, 500 bucks or something right. like that. Now, did they fly you out there? No, the, the one that I shot was shot here in Santa Monica. So it was very convenient. Uh, and that was like the first TV set. Uh, the first acting job for me, um, I did an episode... Well, I was going to say it was Married with Children, but I don't think it was Married with Children. I did a show. My first job was this this show with uh, Stephen Dorff. You know the actor Stephen Dorff? Yes. He had a sitcom with this ventriloquist v- dummy, and the show was called What a Dummy. And <laughs> you, don't, you don't have that listed on your credits, sir. I don't. I and you know that. what? I should really add that to my credits. I, yeah, just because of the title. Yeah, just to be, yeah, exactly. Well, he was in What a Dummy. We have to have him. Exactly. <laughs> so did... When you were doing stand-up, did you think, I mean, you love being on the road, you're doing the road and performing, did you think it would parlay into writing or acting, or did you just sit there and go, I want to be a stand-up? I wanted to be a stand-up first and foremost, but I did think it would parlay into acting, because at that time, that's where the industry was really looking for the next breakout talents. That's when people were getting those right. big development deals. Like, it was a completely different time. Did you get a development deal? Uh, I did get a development deal. And I what did, happened yeah. with that? I mean, Nothing. Just, did you do it, a, come up with a pilot or anything, or did they put you on hold? Uh, we did come up with a pilot. I, I mean, it, it, throughout, throughout that time, actually, Jeff Cesario and I had partnered up and wrote something. Okay. Uh, we had a deal uh, at NBC, and we wrote uh, a sitcom idea that we could probably still do today that was a really cool idea um but nothing ever came of it and then i had a deal uh at castle rock remember castle oh, rock? God, yeah jeez yeah. yeah yeah castle rock that's crazy yeah i had a development deal there so uh but yeah nothing came of it you know now were you getting recognized after the mtv thing i mean like when you out like i mean not you because yeah i mean it definitely people. it definitely helped out a lot and in certain circles like especially like that college market you know, I was getting recognized a lot. And that was surprising to me. Like, you know, people in, you know, other states, Chicago, like right. places that I didn't even really go to knew my material. You know what I mean? Or knew some bits that I, that yeah, I, I did I at the time. I used to do it. I used to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, 
you're writing because you now you you've written your act, but now you you've written for the Tonight Show and the Lopez Show, I believe. Yeah, and right, right. Do you what do you do you enjoy writing for someone else as much as you enjoy writing for yourself, or is there ever sometimes where you go, God, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, well, you know what? It's it's interesting. Is I think the experience in writing for other people and you know for me it started you know in the stand-up circle I had friends that were stand-ups like you know Jamie for example um, I was on his show as an actor once his show went into syndication and was done Jamie started hosting a lot of award shows he hosted the MTV Awards the ESPY Awards and we had worked well together and he was somebody that it was easy for me to write for him so I naturally sort of fell into that and then what I found happening was one thing led to another I would get called for another job like I you know you can't you shouldn't deny what your skill set is and I do have a really good skill set at looking at what somebody does and knowing how to make that better okay you know what I mean and as a stand-up, you know, sometimes stand-ups, they speak their uh, a certain language, like they speak the same language. So it's easy to, you know, bring in a writer that also is a stand-up. Right. Because you do have that same... You have the, you know what's going on. You know, right, you know the cadence, right, the, same, right. the cadence or the and delivery. And you know that somebody has to perform it. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've uh, worked with writers that aren't performers, that are just writers. And sometimes they'll come up with interesting ideas, but they don't quite translate because they're not presented in a way where it's accessible to a performer. Right. You know, it's funny, and, I, and I've noticed that too, is because I do a lot of tweets. I, right, and, right. Uh, but what I've noticed is because I do have a, I can over, I used to write jokes with Jeff Marta for a website, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, sometimes you overexpose because there's no, I'm not over, over expose, like too much, too right, much. Right, right. the word, expose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, say yeah, overexpose. I'm yeah. like, what the hell? Yeah. Right. Um, but that's what I love about Twitter because, it it makes you you have an idea, but it makes you change it so it fits into those. So it fits into that. Yeah, I think it, that that's a great that. Like I, I was, I, it took me a minute to get into Twitter, but you know, then I was like, wow, 164 characters. That's actually really cool because it forces you, like you said, to condense your thought into that idea and into that space because sometimes even if you write 175 characters no one's ever going to get to that other part right you know what i mean like i find that you know one line tweets or two line tweets at the most are the ones that people can see ingest and decide if they respond to it or like it or whatever you know what i mean the more wordy you get the more you're forcing people to have to pay attention in a way that they probably don't have the time yeah and the funny thing for me is tweeting i mean i tweet all the time but i don't use any of my act i don't use any of the stuff i tweeted today i said tmz reported that kim kardashian might give birth birth in france and i said one more reason to hate the french right 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 i mean in paris right and it's just you you can make it makes you write quick things well I do like the I like the uh, the instantaneousness of, of Twitter you know what I mean it's like if there's a topic out there you can put your thought out there and kind of get the credit for it right then and there you yeah, know what, what I mean what's your Twitter handle uh, Suli McCullough okay. yeah Spell I didn't even just, S-U-L-I uh, M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H now, do you have a lot of followers uh, about 1700 Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's good. You know, I like it. It's like a, it's a, it's a usable number. Sure, my daughter has more Twitter followers than me. But I'm, I'm at like thirty. I'm at like thirty-eight hundred. Uh-huh. Uh, one time, I think in the very beginning, I was all excited. I must have got like those Russian bots. Yeah, right, I right. had like I had like all of a sudden I had like 
9,000 followers. I'm like, oh my God. Wow. Oh my God. And then I look through and there are pictures of these big busty girls who have no, they, they, yeah. they don't follow anymore. You know, it's right. like, they don't right. it's a, like, Yeah, exactly. Like, how do they get that? It's, it's weird. Well, when I first started, I, I had, a, those were like my five followers. And you always get one with egg. You ever notice yeah. when you first start, like, yeah. people as an egg. like my girlfriend just goes on Twitter just to follow people. She, uh-huh. not, she does not write. She's not in the business. She's like, how do I have followers? I said, they just to get like five followers. Right. You know? Right. So, you um you're acting now. You, you were in a you you work with the Wayans, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did this cult movie that people kind of like called "Don't Be a Menace to Self." Great movie. Yeah, it was fun. We had a good time with it, and you know, I actually did a lot more than just act in that movie. But the fun thing about that movie is that it's kind of stood the test of time and, right you know like my daughter's in high school now and her friends still love that movie like it comes on mtv all the time like it really has this cult comedy status about it and what i you know i think what works about it is that it's a parody of this hood genre but the jokes that we put in that movie have a life of their own now did you did you help write it at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't get credit for it, but, you know, that's... Well, because I think, and I saw you were also the, the voice in Scary Movie. Yeah. Now, did you help yeah. write that at all? Or? No, I didn't write that. I just came in and, and did that, you know. The thing to me about Scary Movie is there's so many there's so many jokes. Yeah. And, like, 80% hit, which to me is an amazing right. rate because right. there's so many. I mean, it's weird, like, with comedies like that. It's like, you know, it's like if you watch something about Mary, it's... You don't laugh every scene, but when you laugh, you You really laugh. laugh. Yeah. With Scary Movie, you were laughing almost every scene. Right. And and, and you're sort of glad that some of the jokes sort of suck because you can... Right. And then you know what's funny, too, is like those kind of movies, people watch them over and over again. So if you miss some, you get them the second time or a third time or, you know what I mean? Like, and Don't Be a Menace is one of those movies. Like, we put a lot of extra jokes in that movie. Like, there's one scene where... Uh, Marlon's character, Loke Dog, is at the breakfast table and he's eating a breakfast cereal and the cereal's called Wheaties. You know what I mean? Like weed, Wheaties. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like That's one of those jokes that you gotta watch it a few times just to get that joke. Or, you know what I mean? Like It's weird because I do, I watch like too, my girlfriend's like that. She just texted me earlier. She, I guess she said, oh, they made a mistake in How I Met Your Mother. I go, what they go? They cut a back thing and Barney, Patrick, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, was reading something, right. but it was upside down. So, then, so they mm-hmm. went by, you know, and I know, and I think, and if you write, and like you're a writer, but we we're observers. Oh, absolutely. And when you watch stuff, you go, wait a second. Like right. I get pissed off. Like I was talking about this the other day on Southland. It's like, okay, the Regina King's character lives in Burbank, but then the LAPD come out. No, no, that's Burbank right. police. But and Burbank is their own separate police. Right. Yeah. So, but so so now, how does your uh, how did your daughter react? Like, to her kid, they were like, did they go, wow, you know, when they see the Actually, movie? you know what's funny is, like, at her school, I'm pretty cool, which is like all cool you dad? could ask for as a dad. You know what I mean? Because they all like that movie, and, you know, like, I'm a sneaker collector, too, and so, you know, I always have on cool kicks. How many, or, how many pairs do you have? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't made an official count, and I, before I give you an answer, let me just say, every few years, I do purge. But I would say in the... I want to say about 300 pairs of sneakers. Yes. Right. But I've been collecting for a long time. But you probably have like, only like one pair of shoes, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> one pair of dresses. Now, what, what? I mean, it's so funny because someone was talking about sneakers. And you see, now, now I, I know you're a sneaker aficionado. Yeah, I'm a sneakerhead. I remember I, when eighth grade, because I'm 48, uh-huh. and when the, uh, the Nikes uh, 
it was like the first the leather high top right right I, my god damn and i was like the bomb right cool. right and then there's the ponies the ponies right. are big now how did you get into sneaker cracking i mean i just, think just being broke and not having good shoes growing up like you know i mean we had the you know i'm the oldest of seven and oh we wow had, yeah okay. we had uh you know, even if you have money, seven kids, you don't have any money. That's so funny. There was a there's a uh, family in my neighborhood, the Coolahans. Right. And they had nine kids, and I think about it, I'm like, how the hell did, did you? Yeah. Yeah. And like it was it was like seven of her boys and two were girls, and the girls were the youngest ones. Something poor guys who did right. them. Right. So what was it? Was being the oldest? It must have been. I mean, you. you I was had, the I was the protector. Okay. You know what I mean? In the family, I was definitely and and I was cheap labor. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? I was free babysitter. <laughs> you know all that. Does any of that transcend into your act? A little bit of it, okay. yeah. Yeah, I talk about it. I actually, when I first started, I used to talk more about that. Now, uh, you know, I, I talk about being a dad and all that stuff that comes with it. Now, do you, I mean, because the writing and stuff, uh, does that give you, do you still perform a lot? Or you just, oh, does, yeah, does absolutely. Because I know when, you know, when people say, you know, with writing, it's like a nine to five job. You know? Well, it depends on the, you're lucky if it's a nine to five right, job. Yeah, I mean, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, you know, at the Tonight Show, it, those hours were pretty, you know, nine to five ish. I mean, you would write when you were at home at night, but like Lopez's show, that was seventy hours a week, seventy plus. Okay. You know what I mean? It was a different situation. Now, you when you did the SB, as it said, consulting producer, it says in your credits. Yeah, sure. Um, are you a big sports fan? Oh, I'm a huge sports fan. Okay. Like, I mean, that was one of the best jobs ever because you got to write comedy for athletes that you completely love. You know, okay. like. I, I I was Jamie Foxx's head writer the two years he hosted, which was great. And then I actually stayed on board and host, you know, wrote for Sam Jackson, wrote for uh, Matthew Perry, wrote for um, LeBron and Jimmy Kimmel. And that was great. The year that I wrote for LeBron probably was, just as a sports fan, the best job ever for me. Now, what is, what's LeBron? Is, a, is he a cool guy? A, a, amazingly cool. Here's how cool LeBron is. Okay. Uh, when when I wrote for him, uh, ESPN flew me out to Akron to meet with him, and his camp was going on. He has this Nike camp that is like invite only the fifty best high school and pro uh, high school and college players in the country. It's a who's who of basketball okay. there, and you know I didn't know what to expect. I got I, I was like, oh, okay, LeBron's this huge athlete. I'm probably going to be following his group of dudes right, around right, right. in my rent a car just trying to get a few minutes to get these you know comedy ideas with him but can I tell you this dude is so cool he met me at the hotel that I was staying in picked me up we went out to go get a burger uh, I'm driving around Akron Ohio with LeBron James the biggest in athlete his, in the world yeah yep. in, in his Hummer you know we go get a burger like two regular you know that's funny <laughs> and it was so cool dude it was like it was one of those things where I was like oh I wish there were cameras on me right now because this is unbelievable well see the thing about LeBron is I mean you know do I don't agree how he made the announcement but you can't but you know what's you know, funny is like if that's, the, Cleveland. if that's the only thing you can knock the dude at I know that's, what I'm, that, oh, that's what I'm saying yeah, you know what I mean people hate him for that it's like don't hate him because he left Cleveland right I, I mean God, you know Red Boston Red Sox leave and join the Yankees right that's a lot right. worse than right. leaving Cleveland to go absolutely. to Miami absolutely and you know what he can always come back I, right. if anything I was surprised that there wasn't more of a backlash against the owner Dan Gilbert who's a jackass who yeah I mean, you know, this dude goes to defame LeBron publicly and says that he's a quitter. And you weren't saying that the seven years you made money off him and exactly. made tremendous money off him. And you 
almost have to spend time in Cleveland to see what he meant to that area. You know what I mean? He was the biggest thing there. Right. And it's so rare that somebody that grows up in a certain area comes back to play for that right. area. I mean, it was such a rare thing. Yeah. That it's you. I mean, it, it, it was foolish to me of Dan Gilbert to even jeopardize that from ever happening again. And you never know what happens with somebody's career. Like, right. He may get nostalgic and want to play for Cleveland again. That's but, you know, he probably, you know, you don't know. So to go out and, and I just felt it was really classless on the owner's part. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, and he just looks like a douchebag. Yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry. Exactly. So you're, what's your favorite sport? Uh, basketball. No, who's, by your favorite? Far. who's your team? Uh, I'm a Clippers fan. Oh, you're not? I'm a long-term Clippers fan. You know, it's so funny when I moved out here. Like, this is the golden era for me, right? Oh, it must be amazing. Yeah, Cause, it's, cause it's unbelievable. When I moved out here, I could not root for the Lakers at first because yeah. they would beat the Sixers. And, right. you know, and I'm not even a huge basketball fan, but I but I love growing up and watching but the But Philly fans and, are diehard about yeah. their team. Like, and, I get that. But then I was like, so I say to my buddies, they still, I say it's hip to clip because I was right, right, hipper. Right. And, you know, and then, well, now it's a totally different thing. It's like, actually, you know, the, the Laker fans, like those kind of Brentwood Laker fans that are just super fair weather, They've somehow become Clipper fans, it's which so, is not cool. No, and that's what's funny because Billy Crystal has been a Clipper fan all He's the time. He's a long-time Clipper Ma, fan. Frankie Munoz, they've right. been Clipper fans. Right. Kadeem Hardison, huge Clipper fan. Yeah, like, it's, you know, it's, it's the so, real Clipper fans are, we, we all know who we are. We're right. like a very specific clip. And, and, and for me, like, you know, I mean, I love Showtime Lakers. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's one of the greatest teams of right. all time. You know, I mean, like, a team like that wouldn't exist these days. But for me... I couldn't afford Laker tickets and Clipper tickets. It gave me a chance to see players I wouldn't get a chance to see. But what ended up happening was you would go to a game to see another team and end up rooting for the Clippers right. because they would be in it for three quarters and then something would happen. And so, you know, you were like, man, I really kind of believe in these guys. So I, I've been a supporter for a long time. It's funny because, once again, they, they're, you know, you want to see them do well, but they've, they've been, you know, just cursed with that owner oh absolutely I mean, and, and then absolutely. your draft choices like now they're finally working but you had a bunch of draft choices that what happened to these guys and they look so good yeah for like a year. i mean mo taylor was a guy that you know he played there right was a was small forward that was really good and did towards Darius, the end did miles play there darius miles, darius miles was and a guy that was whatever, really yes. good great talent Crazy. uh you know uh lamar odom was a rookie there and right. that that was like the first season i could actually afford a partial season package okay. so they had uh, Michael Oluwakandi who was the first right. round pick who turned out to be a bust but exactly. I knew he wasn't going to be good so <laughs> but Lamar was worth the price of admission now have you gotten to meet any of the Clippers uh, yeah yeah absolutely uh, actually not too long ago uh, I took my son to a UCLA game okay. against Arizona oh, that guy that guy just uh, is saying he's leaving uh, Muhammad or whatever oh Shabazz he Muhammad yeah. Oh, well, that. yeah you knew yeah, he was yeah. gone you knew that was happening I think it's stupid I think these guys should stay another year but you know what the money's right there I know. you know what I mean it's like you can't wait what do you mean trade some books for exactly you know? <laughs> exactly <laughs> books for millions and then you're right there, like all the quarterbacks from USC who stayed right look sucked. what happened they all yeah. went yep. down down all yep. these guys their draft goes like Barkley he got hurt and not even once Barkley last right. year, if he had last, left last year he would have been up there first yep. round now Absolutely. it's like and, he, and it's a quarterback, not a lot of quarterbacks. Geno Smith, by no ways, he's a good quarterback, but he's not yeah. a number four or five pick But right. because there's no quarterbacks. It's, then, yeah, it's a good year for him. So who did you meet? Uh, but uh, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Matt Barnes, who I knew just from, he's a UCLA Bruin. 
um, and uh, Chauncey Billups all ended up sitting in the row <laughs> right in front of us. And, you know, for bringing my eight-year-old kid, he was in heaven. He's like, wow, yeah. not only am I going to a UCLA game, but Blake Griffin and the rest of the Clippers are sitting in front of me. I was pretty, like, in terms of getting dad points, I oh. scored big time. Again, you're the cool dad and yeah. those points. Right. Now, did they know of your work or they heard of you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, Blake's a little young, but I could see, like, Chauncey. Maybe. Yeah, well, well, actually, you know. Um, but that movie, everyone Yeah, knows. Don't, everyone. don't Be a Menace is pretty big. And then the Jamie Foxx show is in reruns all the time. So that show is pretty big, too. So, now, you know, so they knew me from that. Okay, what character did you play in the Jamie Foxx show? Uh, in the Jamie Foxx show, I played um, Jamie's best friend, Mouse. Okay. Uh, and I did I did uh, 25 out of the 100 episodes on that wow. show. So about, you know, one out of four. So I came in in the third season. I guest starred once. Fourth season, they offered me a part to play one of his friends with two other guys. Um, and he got a job... Uh, at, at this place called Jingles 2000, which was like a place where, you know, you come up with jingles for the radio right. and all that stuff. And so that's where I came on board. And then I ended up doing all the episodes on the fifth season, the last season. Now, did you have to change your voice because it's mouse? Like, did you have a mouse voice? No, I just was like, no, no, because I was like, eh, I didn't want to do that. That's like, good. That, that, <laughs> that was probably a smart choice. Yeah, hey, do the mouse thing. I think I learned from Crazy Legs because Crazy Legs definitely has a distinct voice. Like in Dopey A Menace to South Central. Do the voice. Crazy Legs is the new one. This is Crazy Legs' voice. Yeah, I got a dream. Okay. So I think I learned from Crazy Legs. And you did the voice voice of the of the clown right yeah do and i don't even remember what that was i you think that was just funny. like a scary voice well, it's just a scary movie too clown voice yeah that uh, was the clown voice the, yeah it's just funny it's just yeah the clown voice it's, yeah, yeah it's, I, I basically in i basically attack sean while he's sleeping and, okay. and, and rape him now okay I remember as that. most See, clowns would do that happened to me when yeah I was a kid. right but it was actually it was my <laughs> uncle it was my uncle it wasn't really a clown so his family yeah exactly yeah, that's good now do you um not so just some random exactly that would just suck yeah do you do you get recognized off those shows? Like, I mean, consistently? And how? what's some of the weirder stuff that's happened to you? Because uh, there's got to be just some like, weird crap. Like someone. Well, does, I'll tell you, for the most part, it's cool. But you're right. There is that weird side of it. Like, I've had people say to me, like, uh, you know, I was at a fat burger and this guy was with his girl. She was pregnant. And it was like the baby was on her way there. She was hungry and she needed fat burger. And I so felt for this dude because he was like, okay, baby, I'm going to get you this fat burger. We're going to make it okay. She was uncomfortable and, you know, right. super pregnant. And they see me and she just lights up, right? And he lights up. And she lights up because he was like uh, at his wits end you know like just he was like will this baby hurry up and get here right right sees me and she's like you don't understand don't be a menace is his favorite movie and you're his favorite character like I felt like I saved their relationship right, okay. <laughs> see that's cool so that was a cool one but I thought I, no, it was funny when you said when you said it, I thought it was gonna get creepy like and all of a sudden and all of a sudden no, she yeah. said the baby's yours yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> can you deliver the baby right <laughs> right and we're gonna name him crazy Lynch. exactly what, what <laughs> no that was a cool one but like there have been weird times where people just feel like if they see you on TV they can say anything to you I was in Houston and I was coming back from some event and I'm going through the TSA where they're, you know, searching you. And this TSA security guard says to me out of nowhere, Jamie Foxx left your ass. And I was like, what? Doesn't like, make sense. But what she was saying was that Jamie's gone off to do movies and has an Oscar. And so I was like, why? I was thinking, why would you say that to somebody? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, that's, I don't get that. And, and I, that's the, have you seen the movie Heckler? 
No, I haven't. I got, I got to see it. No. Because he says the thing. He's like, these people write letters like, you suck. You know, you're acting, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, why are you so mean? You know, right. he's like, he's like, right. hey, yeah, maybe my movies aren't good. Right. But I'm having fun. And right. it's not like I take the project thinking it's going to suck. Right. And right. it's like, and the people, it's, and, and it's well, a, they just don't, they, they just realize, like, they're associating it to whatever their own personal thing is. Right. I was thinking, you know, when she said that, she said, Jamie Foxx left your ass. I was thinking, well, I'm about to leave your ass because right. I'm flying back to LA. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the thing. It's, and they're just, it's mean. Yeah. I was just like, what's the point of that? You and know you, what I mean? But that happens. What's another you know, one besides uh, Jamie? Jamie, that's all Jamie. Yeah. I thought Jamie Foxx. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, I mean, it's Jamie like, Foxx left your ass. I mean, when you break it down, you're like, like, no, we're still friends. Yeah, you know, I like did, I, I was wrote on his show. You know, you don't sit there. And I go, mean, I wrote for him on, on Saturday Night Live. Right. You know, so it's like we're still cool. Yeah, like, you, you, know, it, you don't even know what you're talking it's about. Not, it's not like people go up to Carol Connor, Gene Stapleton left your ass. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meathead left <laughs> your ass. We be doing that voice on that. I call her and go, Jamie. Fox left your ass. <laughs> I said, obviously, you don't listen to my show, Joanne, so right. like she won't get it. Right. So, uh, what was another weird Well, one? you know, like, usually people are like, uh, you know, where's your wheelchair? You should have brought your wheelchair. Oh, you know sorry. what I mean? Like, that kind of thing. But that, you know, not, like, it's it's less, it's less, uh, that was the one that really stood out to me, where I was just like, what, what are you talking about? What, uh, you said Saturday Night Live, did you write? Yeah, I, I actually, um, Jamie, uh, I was doing um, the, uh, the Soul Train Awards in Las Vegas, and Jamie, did you, did you, can I hear you real quick? Did you meet Don Cornelius? Uh, Don Cornelius isn't alive anymore. No, but when he... But was oh, he, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I was not, actually... Yeah, when he was alive, yeah. Because he was a cool... He was cool. Oh, Don thing. Cornelius was great. And it, it, the, here's the funny thing. like he was, he was like a fan of my comedy. Okay. Which was... You know, I mean, it's Don Cornelius, dude. Yeah, he's a legend. Dude. Yeah, I mean, he's the, a guy, legend. the guy was on TV forever. Yeah, I mean, no, he, I mean, he did, he's like like Dick Clark. He's like one of those guys yeah. that, as a kid, I grew up watching Soul Train, and Soul Train meant a lot in my household. Okay. So when you get to really meet somebody that was like, dude, right. you have no idea, you made my household fun. You right, know what okay. I mean? Like, so yeah, I mean, I I, I did know Don Cornelius, and I and. Like, I really cherish the fact that I got to have an actual, you know, relationship with that guy. Right. And it's always cool when somebody you admire likes what you do, too. Oh, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was pretty awesome. But I was doing this, and that was one reason why I was really excited about doing the Soul Train Awards. So Cedric the Entertainer was hosting. I was writing for him, and then I did some on-camera stuff, too. But Jamie Foxx introduced Stevie Wonder as the closing act on the Soul Train Awards, we were backstage and he was like, hey, you know I'm hosting Saturday Night Live, I want you to come write for me on the show. And I was like, dude, absolutely. Okay. It's like, come on, you know? <laughs> so they don't use the staff writers for that? Well, they do, but um, they don't use a lot of guest writers on that show. Normally, uh, the guest writers are, you know, former cast members that are coming okay. back to do a sketch or something on the show. So it's something that they, they only use every now and again. So... Um, you know, when Jamie asked me if I would write for him on the show, it was like it was great. It was like a chance to go in and and immerse yourself into that process. And there's so much history there that you know, like for me, it was like, oh, this is like getting paid to go to the Smithsonian. You know right. what I mean? Like it was pretty. It was pretty great. Now, did he do stand up? Um, he did. He did an opening monologue. Um, and you know, he did an opening monologue. And I wrote um the I wrote a bit that actually. Uh, went viral and kind of took off. I wrote a bit uh, where he played a ding dong, 
dressed up as a hostess okay. ding-dong. Okay. And uh, the take of it was, at the time, uh, hostess had went bankrupt in the news, and they really were doing a lot of stories about the Twinkie and, you know, the Twinkie's going away. Okay, yeah, and yeah. And so... Uh, <laughs> I didn't see my girlfriend talk about this. Yeah, so, so I, uh, my take was, wow, they're not really talking about any of the other fine hostess products, so why not get Jamie dressed up as a ding-dong, as a disgruntled ding-dong, okay. talking about he's not getting his due. And so I, I wrote that up, and it ended up really kind of taking off. And it was funny because... The process of working on Saturday Night Live, like I started Monday, you know, the show is live Saturday night, and then you're working so hard at just getting everything up and running and ready, by the time it happens, to see where all that goes was amazing. Like, you know, this sketch that I wrote was on, you know, the Huffington Post page, uh, right. uh, Ro- Rolling Stone, uh, you know, they did this great article in Wall Street Journal, you know, in Vibe Magazine. It was like, whoa, something that was in my head that I thought was funny. Like, it was the most impressive display of where your comedy can go. Oh, yeah, it's you know awesome. what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it really was like, it blew me away. And it wasn't until seeing it, like, I'm on Twitter, and I'm like, you know, Jamie Foxx is a ding dong, you know, Rolling Stone. I'm like, oh my God, I wrote that. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> like, it really blew me away. So, you work with the Tonight Show. Did you know, by any chance, do you know a guy, uh, we call him Fat Jose? Fat Jose. He works for the Tonight Show. He's this uh, Latino guy. He's always wears a Hawaiian shirt. Big fat guy. Does, he's, does. Well, how his, fat is fat to you? Like, he's like fat. Like, are we talking 260 plus? 350, probably. He huh. always wears shorts. He, cause really? Always, see, 350 and always wears shorts. Dude, if always, I haven't figured it out now, I probably don't you know. You don't know them. Because yeah. he knew everyone. And I, even like when they, yeah. had, when they showed something at the end of Tonight Show ages ago, they showed all the staff. Right. And he was on there. So right, I was right. So, so now, did you, what was, did you learn a lot writing for the Tonight Show? Or I did. You know what? To me, that was like the, uh, that, was a, that was like one of those jobs that I think some of the things that I learned will always stick with me because uh, what I learned the most about that show is just how to discipline your time. Okay. Um, you know, like every day is a new show. They say don't get too high on the highs, don't get too low on the lows, you know. Like you do a good show, cool, wipe it away, start all over again. And, you know, as a monologue writer, I knew, you know, they want to see – a high volume of jokes. So it's like, look, just write us jokes. You know what I mean? Jay likes to read a lot of jokes. And so I was really disciplined about what time I would get in in the morning, grab my papers. I would start watching the news, like, you know, at 4.30 in the so, morning. Okay, so you really so, had to be, and it must be you have to be the internet now, because yeah. back in the day, it's like... Right, well, back in the day, it was all newspapers, yeah. which is the old school way. Now you have the internet, but it's still good to pick up an actual paper, go through it, and just write jokes on the topics. That's, see, that's cool. And that's, that's a, that's so it taught me that really good discipline about, you know, getting, and it's actually great for Twitter, getting, you know, the, the, the concept, the idea, the premise in as short of as many words as possible and then an immediate thought right after it. You and know what I mean? You probably, and you probably find just weird stories. Cause those oh, weird yeah, stories. and those like, are the ones that, 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 that live. Like on some news days, like, you know, a Lindsay Lohan day, it's easy to write jokes. Right. You're going to write a ton of jokes about that. But then there are some news days where, you know, stuff like, you know, where we are right now with the Boston Massacre, you know, it's hard. You yeah, know what you I mean? Know. You're not going to approach that 
it, there's no comedy there. You know what I mean? So you still have to come up with a monologue that makes people laugh. So you're going to those obscure stories. You're going to, you know, the... Uh, you know those those studies. Every the, like thank the, God yeah. for a study. Or every US, now and again, I always would just check the USA Today when they break yes, each yeah. State US, thing. USA Today is is one of the best newspapers for writing jokes I because get. it's very simplistic. They break it down. They don't get too in depth, and you can take those basic premises and really find the comedy. See, it's cool that you're. I, I have another Tonight Show old Tonight Show writer coming on next week. Joe Madeiras. Oh, I love Joe Madeiras. He's yeah, coming on yeah, because yeah. he, my friend. I don't know how I got in touch. Someone recommended me to him. And he's a Philly guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. great. Great. And yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So now, do you, the Lopez Tonight Show, I mean, okay, well, I'll be honest, you know, with the Leno Show, I'm guessing the target market is pretty much Midwestern people. It's middle America. Yeah. And so yeah. you have to, I mean, like, you know, you can't do certain bits. Well, that was, that was the thing that I think was the best learning experience for me was, you know, I mean, I'm a hip guy. I like rap music. You I have like, 300 it, pairs of sneakers. Yeah, I have 300 pairs of sneakers. You know, I, you know, I'm not afraid to wear leather pants. I'm that dude, okay? If I ever see you, if I ever see you at a karaoke <laughs> night, me and you are going to sing Houdini, The Freaks Come Out of Night. Okay. I, I'm with it. All right. I'm with or it. a little UTFO. Uh, dude, it's look, that, we're lifelong friends. Remember yeah. that rock yeah. band? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Her came out. Yeah, the educated Roxanne. rapper. Yeah, and then there's another Roxanne. Like, stop. There's so many damn Roxanne. Right, there was like five Roxannes. Yeah. So, so for the Lopez, so, what was the target market for the Lopez? Lopez was was it Latino, uh, or well, here's the thing. I think that show would have best served itself if they tailored a show primarily to George's fan base and then let the wider audience find a cool hip show. I think. What they felt they could do was make a show like The Tonight Show, and people are just going to find that. Right. Which does a disservice to George and who George connects to. You know what I mean? That's just my opinion about that. But I think it's always better to build something authentic and let your audience find it than to try and build something generic and hope that that generic mass audience finds it because more than likely they're probably not going to find it right you know what i mean it's like you take what's cool about someone and something and then you try and water it down in hopes of it being this mass sort of generic thing and that that never works and george is like you know george is like super funny i've known him forever great guy you know has a special thing that i felt that show Lost its way and didn't quite serve. Okay, all right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't think it was going to last. I don't know. I just, it was one of those things. It didn't, it was just, you're right. It was too weird. It was, you know, it's. I think it was trying to be a lot of different things instead of just trying to be something authentic. Now, is New Arsenio Hall coming, show coming out yep. soon? Now, yep. do you th- how do you think that's going to do? Um, I think it's it, it it has the chance to be great. I mean, Arsenio caught lightning in a bottle oh, yeah. that first time because around. Because he was so different. Yeah, he was different. But he did it in a way that if he sticks to what he did the, the first time around, which is just build something authentic. You know, like those, those old episodes, he would close it by playing Sly Stone, Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself. Like, that's... There's no better endorsement as to, hey, right. I'm doing me. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right, right, Like, you know, if he builds it like that and, you know, isn't afraid to tap into that hit market, you know, he'll be fine. Now, um, you know, it's tough, though, because you got to find a different way to interview shows just as their own. 
aren't that different. You right. know what I mean? Everybody's pretty much promoting the same thing. You got to find a way to make it special. That's so true. you got to take risks. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I hope he does well. And we've yeah, Arsenio's great. I, I mean, you know, he's a good good friend of mine. And, you know, like I will happily, if if I get the call to Do help right. out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we have about five minutes left. Um Time flies, see that? Yeah, this was good. Uh, now, do you still go on the road at all doing comedy? I do, I do. Now, is it different for you now, one, being older, two, having kids? Is it, because back when you're younger going on the road, ooh, you know, and now yeah, as yeah, we get yeah, older, yeah. we have to watch what we eat, you know? Right, like, yeah, right. I, I don't go on the road because I have congestive heart failure. Really? So I got to watch, I yeah. eat all the, I cook at home all the time. And, right. You know, I ate some crap last night, and I feel like I feel like I'm going to have a heart attack today. Right. I hope you know uh, CPR. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, it, is it weird for you now to go on the road? Plus, it's just I mean, it's not that weird because I I still love stage time. Okay. And stage time is the thing that is the that's the thing that makes me happy. You know what I mean? So I mean, I'm a lot more responsible about it. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's probably the major difference. And you know, maybe I'll take my kids sometimes. Okay. So you know, that's the only difference. Yeah. Any gigs coming up? Um, yeah, I'm doing some. Uh, I'm doing uh, some dates at the Improv uh, in Vegas. Then I'm doing okay. some dates at the Improv in Tahoe. Uh, and then I'm doing my, my friend Linda Hansen lives up there. I'll try to go see. She oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love Tahoe. Tahoe's great. I've never been to those clubs. I, got, I, I had Mark Lano on two weeks ago. Oh yeah, and I was like, you should book me in your clubs, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, those clubs are great. Those are like uh, those those clubs I always stay in touch. I'm, I'll be at the Laugh Factory in July in Vegas. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, I've got some got some fun stuff coming up. That's pretty good too because there's so many uh, comedy clubs in Vegas now, and so a lot of acts know each other. Like Brian, right. like Brian McKim and Tracy Skeen right. live out there, and they right. put on Facebook like all the people are hanging because people just right. It's, it's yeah, like old I mean, school. yeah, so I mean, you know what? Did. Whenever I do a week in Vegas, I do that too. I look at who else is playing where, and if they're a friend of mine, I'll go over and say hey. And like George Wallace has a show out there, okay. and you know, I'll go to go say hey to him and check out his show. So you know, it's that that comedy community small. Yeah. Is, yeah. There, is there any writing gigs coming up? Um, yeah, I actually just uh, I'm writing on something right now, uh, a feature that I can't really talk about. Is but it it's your pretty, first feature? It's it's uh, it's my. I'm writing a feature for someone. Okay, but and have you written a screenplay before? Yeah, okay. I have. Okay. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome. I'm I'm excited. Okay, it's a good time to be me. Now, <laughs> how do you do that writing process? Is it do you collaborate with him or do you sit down? Yeah, yeah, I'm collaborating with him, and then I, I go away and then do some writing, and then we meet, and yeah, so yeah, it's good. You know, do you go to a coffee shop and write? I do. I love the coffee shop. Okay. Yeah, I I got my headphones and my computer. I'll go get in the. Co- I like the energy of having people around and stuff i've got a couple places that are my when i can set aside two three hours and i can go get lost it's easy for me okay yeah yeah so yeah so you know we got a few minutes i'll give give your information give everything oh hey um yeah you can uh follow me on twitter at uh suli mccullough uh s-u-l-i-m-c-c-u-l-l-o-u-g-h i'm also on facebook um, and then, you know, you can also follow me in the comedy world. But I'm pretty good about putting my dates up and stuff. And you have so, a website. I do have a website, sulimacullah.com. Uh, really big into my name. So, <laughs> once well, again... It's, it's, it's just a name you remember. Yeah, exactly. There's not that many Suli McCulloughs. There no. was a Julie McCullough who does comedy also, but she was a Playboy centerfold. Yeah, so, so if you go to my... There is a difference. Yeah. Uh, I'll only promise slight nudity. See, How about that? See, people, that he's nude right now, actually. Right, exactly. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, is there any more acting coming up? Or you? Really um, yeah, I just did an episode of uh, uh, Real Husbands of Hollywood. Uh, okay, I've never seen that show. It's uh, it's uh, Kevin Hart's show, right. 
and I played a paparazzi guy. Oh, so it's set up. It's set up. Oh, I yeah, it was, I thought it was real. It's well, it's scripted reality. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. like like those reality shows. Like there's a script, that. but you know you I, you, you you deviate off the script. I actually that show is great though. I'll check it out because I, I what it is is it's like it's it's based on all the reality shows, but it's the comedy version. Okay. And so you've got a lot of really skilled comedy people. I'll check it out then. Yeah, you, I think you'll like it. Because I like love, uh, Joe Schmo is awesome. Yeah, I think you'll I think you'll like Kevin's show. Yeah, what's Kevin's really what's funny. What's that on? Too. It's on VH1. It's on B- BT. Okay. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, yeah. If you like UTFO. You'll and love real house. I, I hope I have BET on demand. My charter communication sucks. We just got CBS. My girl. You know what? You better demand. My it. girlfriend has yeah on demand. I better demand. <laughs> she has like every show. I'm like, there's even shows I never even heard of. And I'm like, Comcast is so much better. Anyway, I want to thank you for coming on, Sully. Oh yeah, this was Sully. great, man. Thanks. I'm gonna say Sully. I, not, I like that. See, look, you did it too. See how it all comes full circle. It does. It does. Yeah. It comes cool. And uh, so yeah, check him out on uh, Twitter. I'll give the spelling one more time. S U L I M C C U L L O U G H, and that's Sully. Now, are you a M little C big? I am a little C big C. Okay, I was making little sure. C okay. big C, y'all. I'm make sure, I'm sure. Little C big That's C. Right. What? Jamie Fox left me little C big C. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy legs. Thank you for coming on. All um, right, man. Thanks for people, having me. People, uh, CooperTalk.net. I have about 120 something episodes up there. Send me email Cooper at Indie 100. I N D I E. 100 um, Twitter at Cooper Talk also you can find my episodes type in one word search box in the search box in iTunes or Stitcher Radio it will come up Cooper Talk and keep listening send me an email I miss getting emails I want to feel popular anyway you guys have been great I'm Steve Cooper I'm only a sip as my guest you guys have a wonderful weekend